Welcome to our second podcast in which we're celebrating women in green. My name is Mike Jiggins, editor of Turf and Rec, and in this episode we'll hear from two women who have enjoyed successful careers in the professional turfgrass industry. First, we'll hear from Melissa Baldelli, owner-operator of Cut and Style by the Lawn Salon, whose clientele includes several high-end residences in the Mississauga, Ontario area. Working alone, she has for more than two decades offered her landscaping customers full maintenance services, including mowing, fertilizing, pruning, and gardening. During the off-season, she lends her snow removal skills to another contractor to keep parking lots and driveways free of snow and ice. Then we'll chat with Leisha Schwab, superintendent at the 27-hole Pheasant Run Golf Club in East Gwillimbury, Ontario. She became a golf superintendent at the tender age of 21 and has since made a name for herself in the profession by, among other things, helping to organize an initiative for women in golf at the annual Golf Industry Show in the United States, a project that has achieved tremendous success. Let's hear first, then, from Melissa. Melissa, what was it that inspired you to enter this profession? Well, I needed a job. (laughs) And a friend introduced me to it, and I found it really hard in the beginning, especially my feet. How long ago was this? About 23 years ago. Yeah. So, and, um, but I got over that. You know, those old Kodiak boots really sucked. <laughs> um, there's not, nothing underneath your foot but concrete or grass. So, um, but I really, really, really found I loved being outside all the time. And uh, the work was hard, but it was good for me. I lost weight. Um, and um, the owner of the company decided to teach me because he saw I was interested. So I had a lot of learning to do. So it was basically on-the-job training for you then? Absolutely. And how long ago was it that you started your own business? It was about 12 years ago. And I understand that most of your clientele is in Mississauga, is that correct, that area? It is now. Uh, When I started out, a friend of mine was retiring and gave me a bunch of... uh, houses to do in uh, the Tobacco area and uh, they were mostly seniors and so I did that for three years and uh, and then I started downsizing because I found some part-time work that uh, was interesting. Now the the name of your business you call it uh, Cut and Style by the, the Lawn Salon, mm-hmm. correct? Now, how yes. did you come up with that name? I don't know, lots of thinking. I asked uh, friends um, you know, give me some ideas, and uh, and one day it just came out, it just came out of my head. So um, I I was gonna do uh, um, cut and style, but it was taken. So I I did the, the longer version. Taken by a lawn care company. Yes. Or, or, yeah. I could see a, a hair salon using a name like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So uh, actually, no. It was the other way. Uh, the lawn salon was what I was gonna do. And then uh, I found out that it was taken, so... And it was spelt differently and everything, but I just didn't want to be the same. <laughs> now, at the time that you entered this profession, uh, were there many women working in the industry? My friend that brought me to her company. Um, besides that, I can't think of any. Not for a long time. But certainly, uh, now that we've come to 2020, uh, there seems to be a lot more women in this industry than there, there used to be, certainly... Half or a 
quarter century ago. I'm seeing a lot more women. In fact, right next door to one of my clients is, uh, on Thursdays comes a, a group of three women. I think they work for somebody else, but there's no name on the truck. But, uh, yeah, so it, it's come a long ways from there. Actually, I do remember one other woman that uh, left when I started. So it, there was two, two other women that I knew of in probably a five-year period. What challenges did you face after taking ownership of your own business? Did you did you find uh, being a woman-run organization that did you find that to be a challenge in itself? I found it actually opposite of that because I wasn't going to be some big company. Um, I found that women were walking up to me on some of my sites and and asking me to come to their house and they'd love to see a woman working on their their yard and. and it's more, you, they seem to think you're not messing around. Like some of the guys, you always see the guys fooling around, right? But uh, it's, ser- it's serious. I love doing it and I wanted to make sure I did a good job. So, what types of things uh, can a woman bring to this profession that perhaps a man might lack? I actually know some guys that were really, really good. I think it's uh, how much interest you take in the actual uh, work that has to be done. And, uh, just uh, I think women tend to keep up on work rather than let it fall behind a little bit. So they're, it's always um, not so much work and it's always planned. You know, that's what I've noticed anyways. How have you managed to deal with the uh, physical demands of the job? Um, you just go. <laughs> you just do it. You know, it helped me. In the beginning, it helped me to um, get stronger. But then I started getting older and you actually notice you falling back on uh, how hard the job actually is, but you can improv- improvise, like keeping up on your work, um, just to to take it easier on yourself. So yeah. it's, it's like I said, everything seems to me is all about the planning. Do you have to uh, exercise regularly to to be able to keep up with the? the- I used to. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> it's uh, uh, I'm 58 years old, so I think it's just a natural progression. But uh, I feel pretty good, just um, slowing down. You know. Are you uh, planning to keep this going for a while yet, or? Yes, I do. I keep thinking I'm going to let it go, but what will I do? You know, and I love it. So why would I maybe have to do something else? Right. Certainly the love of the job is mm-hmm. a motivator in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. And good people, good clients. You know, there's a lot of things that make it good. What uh, what types of services do you offer your customers? Uh, complete uh, groundskeeping services. I do all the pruning. I will do organic weed, uh, um, not spraying, uh, fertilizing and... Uh, I do everything. I turn all the gardens if they ask for some specialties, like maybe some stepping stones or repair some some uh, interlock that's uh, moved a bit. Um, because I worked in a big company before, I experienced some of that, right? So I offer everything other than uh, uh, installing landscape. Actually, because in the last five to six years, I've been... Um, Going backwards, and now I've got a part-time job where it's, it's the same kind of job, but um, it's right here at home. I don't have to travel anywhere, and uh, why wouldn't I, <laughs> right? And I find I need less. 
I'll probably miss it a bit when I do um, back off of it. But um, I had no problems getting work. People would walk up to me. I actually had to turn work away so much because being one person, um, you don't want to take on more than you can do because you want to serve the clients you have the best you can. And during the winter months, I know that you're working for uh, another contractor uh, doing snow removal services. But that's not something that you yourself offer through your own businesses. Yeah, I didn't need to. I had so many friends in the industry offering me work in the wintertime. It's, uh, it's a big challenge for companies, uh, all the winter work, uh, a lot of liability, a lot of extra expenses. So I never got into it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like it. I love getting up in the middle of the night. Seriously, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. Well, the snow business is a lot different than the lawn maintenance business, whereas you can do that during regular daylight hours. Snow removal comes when when oh, the storms comes. come. I like it all. I like all all the aspects of uh, this industry, and I've done it all. What kind of uh, feedback have you received from customers about the quality of work that you've done? I've never had anything negative. In all these years, it's a little surprising even to me, but I think they, that when you work on your own, you notice that they do watch you, but if you're doing what you're supposed to do, there's no worry. And uh, so I've really never had any negative negativity from any of my clients so far. Always trying to be helpful. What are uh, some of the things that you've learned along the way about running your own business? Um, what I learned is that I like to work and I don't like paperwork. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's probably the hardest part is keeping up with all the, the paperwork and the billing and filing and government and, you know, you got to keep all your ducks in a row. Otherwise, and I have fallen behind on paperwork before, you know. So that's probably it, the, the office management part of it. In uh, what ways do you go out of your, your way to uh, appease your customers in terms of uh, attention to detail and, and so forth? What uh... um, Pretty much I try and fit in, whether it's costing me or them, I try and fit in anything that I can do for them that they ask me. Uh, I don't have to look for work because I pretty much, you know, do if, if they ask me a question, if I can do it. I don't need a bunch of equipment or anything because I'm small and I don't have it. I just do what they ask me. You know, pleasing them is the most important part. So you're not chasing work all the time. In uh, what ways have you expanded your business through the years uh, in terms of maybe um, add-on services or uh, just attracting more customers? Um, I, I tend to plant more flowers now. People ask me more about uh, doing spring planting for them and summer planting for them. Um, I never used to do things like big mulch jobs and because uh, it's a lot of work for one person. But I do, even now. As I'm older, um, little things, bringing in stones or, you know, some stuff. They want some rock borders around the garden or something. And uh, I'll do whatever they ask me, really, if I can do it. What advice would you give to a woman who perhaps is considering a, a career in this industry? I would say you're going to have to pass the guy test first. And what would be the guy test? Um, just doing whatever silly things they ask you to do and later on you realize that uh, they were just testing me or getting me to do their job or it's really a guy's industry and I was asked to do a lot of crazy things and and probably half their work 
when I first started because I didn't know any better. But uh, it's okay. It was a challenge. So I did it. and uh, It's kind of like a rite of passage almost. I believe so. And even to this day, I see guys with me now and they're used to being dumped off on a site in the middle of winter and wait there until somebody comes and picks them up, which I refuse to do things like that because it happened to me. Uh, so, you know what, if they're done and I pick them up, they sit in the truck with me. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not going to do that to anybody. So there's a lot of things I didn't like. And I tried to get them to change some things um, when I was in the management position at my company, but nobody went for it. I find now that the company I work for is doing more of the things that I had suggested because younger people now, different type of people, and they don't want to do all the work anymore like we used to. Bit of a different mindset Absolutely. these Absolutely, yep. Why is that, do you figure? I really don't know. I don't, I don't understand uh, what's going on. Where I used to work in the wintertime, years ago, he had no problem getting work. And then the last three to five years, he's had nothing but problems getting work. And now he's finished. He sold and retired and, and is happy. But uh, it, was, it was really... Uh, uh, something that was on his mind, he couldn't understand it either. I have no idea what's changed. Do you have any in- interesting or memorable stories that you can share about your years in this industry? Any Anything that maybe is a little different, off the wall even perhaps? Uh, Mostly things that come back to me is hiring new people in the spring. Um, they had a lot of people that would come in dressed for going to the office and then whining a half an hour later and and then you kind of have to explain to them that you don't think that they're uh, up to this kind of job, you know. Probably no different than that. I've worked at other jobs before landscaping. It's probably no different than than anywhere else. There's, there's always some things that go on that you just wonder why is that happening, you know. Are you finding that the technology associated with this industry has uh, improved since you first began that's perhaps making your job easier Absolutely. in terms of quality of mowers, uh, quality of uh, handheld equipment, that sort of thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a lot better now. Um, I find a lot less vibration on some of uh, the newer trimmers and pruners. Um, the blowers are, the pack blowers that they're coming out with are strong, very strong, and you can do a lot get your work done a lot faster. Um, A little lighter weight, maybe, some stuff. I've been running a walker for the last few years and I never had the opportunity to run when it's an awesome machine. The technology to that is better than what I think we had years ago with our uh, walk behind mowers and they were a little tougher to handle. You know, some of them would throw you around if you weren't expecting it. So yeah, the equipment's improving. I'm, I'm waiting to see what happens with all the electric equipment now. Have you experimented with any of the electric at this stage? I have not. No? But I think it's in my future. Mm-hmm. I guess it is lighter weight uh, in some regards, or maybe more ergonomic. I wasn't expecting too much, but I've been doing a little reading on it, and some of the uh, uh, large uh, riding mowers and such sound like they have a lot of power. and So we'll see. You know, I'm a little negative on it because... To me, the best equipment is what makes your life easier at work, so uh, we'll see what happens with it. Yeah, and I guess you've been accustomed to using gas-powered equipment all these Absolutely. years. and it's, yeah. uh, 
And when I started, I was handed a trimmer that vibrated like crazy and it ended up with carpal tunnel like two days later. Yeah. You know? So waking up with your hands asleep. Um, so over the years, we, I've, I've tested a lot of equipment for uh, the company I worked for. We did a lot of uh, on-site testing and crashing. <laughs> In conclusion, is there anything else you'd like to say about the industry has been for you? My experience on the working end of it has has been awesome. Um, I love it, and I would suggest it to anybody who likes to be outside all day and who is um, energetic, you know, and who likes challenges. There's rain days <laughs> and um, days you feel like giving up because you're filthy, dirty mess, and uh, um, you just want to go home and have a bath. <laughs> But um, I love it, and I suggest it to anybody who uh, who has the energy for, for working outdoors and steady pace. Thank you, Melissa. Now let's hear from Leisha Schwab, superintendent at Pheasant Run Golf Club. What initially inspired you to seek a career in this industry? Um, well, I grew up on a farm, so I was used to working outside, and I loved the notion of, like, seeing something that you've, you've worked on, like, you know, when you go out and you rake a bunker, like being able to see that product, it's the same kind of way on the farm. And that is kind of a tangible aspect of work that I've always really enjoyed. So when I started at the golf course, I was quite young. I was 14 when I started. I turned 15 within a month or so. And I just loved it. I loved being outside. And that was the original draw. My family is quite a hardworking family. So it was known that I would be, you know, have a full-time job at 14 or 15. So that golf course was just in the hometown that I grew up in, um, in Beaverton, Ontario. And so it was close by. I didn't even have a license. So my poor parents had to get up and and drive me (laughs) to work every day. And then I also competed nationally in dressage at the same time. So I would go to the barn after and my days were quite full. What uh, challenges have you faced along the way in in climbing the ladder, especially knowing that most other superintendents uh, are men? It's funny because it's challenges as well as like rewards and help. I always say all the time, and I I mean to stress it because I think sometimes people can get the wrong idea. So I always want to stress that all my mentors have been men. All my greatest friends in the industry are men, and they support me through and through. They are there for me to most extent more than the women I know in the industry. And that could just be because, you know, there's not very many women. um, And I have built relationships with the people that are close to me in proximity. Um, So I always want to stress that. But I will, I have had lots of issues or um, struggles. Uh, I had, I've had to bring, um, attention to the OGSA once on someone that was harassing me online that had to get dealt with actually through the OGSA. That was maybe my first time that I felt like I had the ability to just not put up with some of that stuff because in the past I had felt like I had to just kind of shut up and not say anything about it. And that was the first time I felt like, no, I don't want this in our industry. I don't want young girls to have to deal with this because the situation was quite egregious. And if I had been younger, I probably would have left the industry. So that really rattled me that maybe there's this has happened to young women and they don't have the network that I do and they don't have the support that I do. And I would 
it would be terrible if they had left the industry because of those things. So that's what kind of started the whole thing for me in just wanting young women to have a space to be able to talk. As a woman, how do you find that you've been treated by your staff, uh, whether it's at Pheasant Run or your other previous uh, places of employment where you've served as a superintendent? I would say that goes both ways. Pheasant Run is the third course I've been a superintendent at, and I have yet to have, like, be offered a superintendent's position and taken it and not have a staff member walk out because of being hired and because I am a woman. So you try not to take it personally, but it it can be hard um, because, you know, people are judging you before they even know you, um, and they're clearly judging you based on your gender. So that, that was always hard for me to kind of get over. I have an amazing relationship with my staff. I have a couple staff members that have followed me from golf course to golf course since my first superintendent's position at 21. So I have a lot of really good long-lasting relationships and I really just try and make a point to, you know, treat each of my employees as the humans they are. You know, think about what they want out of summer besides just working and know their girlfriends or boyfriends' names and Every week I sit down with everyone and talk about some goals, you know, and that seems maybe a bit a bit trivial, but it could be something as small as I want to learn how to drive the tractor. I want to, you know, I would love to know more about irrigation. And then I try to pair people up and train people so that every week they kind of have something exciting happening. And I think if you take an interest in people genuinely, it might be a little bit of effort up front, but what you get back is way, way more, and your relationships are way stronger. What are uh, some of the things you think uh, a woman might bring to the table that perhaps a man doesn't? Um, I think that sometimes, and and we all deal with uh, different pressures from society. I think a lot of the time men are forced into, you know, maybe acting a little bit tougher or, you know, not, you know, being vulnerable in a conversation or not asking as many questions. You know, they just want the job to get done. And, and so sometimes I think for men, that can be a bit of a barrier where, and to be honest, at first it was for me too. I thought I had to act all rough and tumble for quite a few years until I realized that, you know, my strengths are that I actually genuinely do want to know. For example, my mechanics uh, grandparents, they, they aren't doing very well. And I, I want to know that. So I, I'm confident in my vulnerability enough to chat with him about that and, you know, make sure he knows how much I care about him. And so I think we as women have a little bit uh, more of that naturally, a little bit more of a nurturing. I think that that's maybe something that can be easier for us as well as I think women um, sometimes, and like everything is a generalization, but can have a little bit more attention to detail. the young women that I've hired, they tend to be way easier on equipment. Um, so that can, you know, that can be helpful. But obviously everything is, is generalized. I have young men that I've taken from 17 up to spray text now. So everybody has their pluses. What uh, lessons have you learned along the way in, in becoming a superintendent? Be once again, just to treat each person like a friend. You know, I'm not saying that you're letting them get away with anything. I'm quite strong in my boundaries. For example, up front, I ask everybody 
at the beginning of the year to submit any weekend that they want off. Even if they were back-to-back weekends, say they have a concert that they wanted to go to, whatever, anything like that. And then I try and manage it so that I'm covered, everything is fair for each person, and that they are getting the most out of their summer. So I've learned little things like that, that a little bit more upfront work um, can really make a difference. It doesn't matter if they're the young kids or the the retirees on your golf course, but you should want them to be happy. Um, I think our job as superintendents is to make our staff happy, and then that translates into the golf course through and through. I have learned that everybody has different ways of communication. I used to have a mechanic that really wanted to come in and do a lot of chit-chat, and I'm not too much of a chit-chatter, and I would kind of get a bit frustrated, like I just wanted to get going and I would get pretty anxious. And then I started to do um, the five like work languages and I realized that, that his language was quality time. So that was his way to connect. So that's pretty insensitive for me to just toss that out if that's something that's really important to him, whether or not it, it's mine doesn't really matter. So it's kind of figuring out who each person is and then working from there. The golf industry has been somewhat anemic the past number of years. What uh, what role do you think women could play in helping to turn things around? Um, well, like if you think, you know, women are 50% of the population. We're trying to push women in golf in general. We really just need as many people as we can. And it golf is a great sport. And working out on a golf course is a really, really fun job for a lot of people. And I think we we don't think of it sometimes as that. We don't think of it as fun and we don't put it out there as that. So I think we have a whole population that we could be pulling into this and it would be a shame not to. A lot of the time as well, mothers are the are the drivers of the household still in a lot of instances. And so say for example we have a mother and she's really into golf and she has her, you know, kids on a weekend, say her husband's away, maybe if we were a little bit more friendly towards having young children and having women in the sense that like maybe they wouldn't be playing the fastest round. And I don't know the innuendos of how you would, you know, manage that within your golf course, but there should be a safe space that they can just go out and and enjoy themselves. And imagine that kind of transpired to now these kids are um, subjected to golf and now they start to take it up. So I think it can be a bit of a window into not only just more women in the industry, but then more young men that are that are brought into the golf industry. Now, you just uh, touched upon this a little bit uh, earlier, but um, you've been involved the past few years with the Women in Golf initiative during the GIS show. Uh, tell us a little bit about it and how it's been received. So about three years ago, I started, um, I guess it would be a company called Ladies Leading Turf. The reason I didn't call it Women in Turf is because there was already a, a young woman that was using that name, and and I just I didn't I didn't want to duplicate something. So it's called Ladies Leading Turf, and my original idea what came about when I um, kind of when I was going through um, that thing with the Ontario Association and wanting women to know more women and have a space to talk, and so at first it just started as you know I don't really I go to GIS. I hang out with all these men and I truly don't really even, I see women, but I don't know, you know, their role and as extroverted as I can, can sound, I'm actually quite introverted. So it was always hard for me to approach people. Plus I've been asked a million times whose wife I am. And so I didn't want to be doing that to someone else. 
it, it just started with me wanting a place that young women or, or women of all ages can get together and, and just chat. And so the first year, it was actually a closed group to women only. And a lot of that was just because I, you know, had thought about this idea in January, sitting on a beach, I think, in Honduras or something. So it was, it was quick to, to organize it. And then the next year, um, I actually had this young woman that had been, that had been messaging me uh, from Kenya. Her name is Maureen. And she had just wanted a mentor um, just to talk to. She's, she was one of two superintendent women in all of Africa. And so we had been chatting. And then one day I just had this thought, like, could I get Maureen over to GIS this year? So I, I messaged her and I, I asked if she had ever wanted to go to GIS, which, you know, she said that that was one of her dreams and that it would take her about 10 to 15 years of fundraising to, to acquire the money. So I just told her to leave it with me and she didn't quite know where I was going with it, but I contacted Syngenta and I said, this is my thought for this year. I want to sponsor this young woman to come to GIS. Um, You know, I want her way paid, obviously everything. And Syngenta has been amazing with me and they right off the bat said, absolutely. So we started the process of getting her to come to GIS in San Diego. That was last year. So she came and she did a talk. We opened the event up for men and she got a standing ovation. I think I was crying within a minute of her talking. She's so such an inspirational, amazing young woman. Then we had um, Nikki Gatch, a PGA woman as well, speak. And that was really well received. She, she's a great speaker. And now Maureen, the young woman from Kenya, uh, has just moved to the States and she's studying at Penn State under John Kaminsky. So it's amazing how quickly things can progress just from the tiniest seed of an idea. Um, when I was at GIS this year, the event was a panel of extremely, extremely bright women talking about you know their what they do and their story and how they got into the industry. And it was it was really, really really amazing. And so we're kind of changing it every year. This year we had uh, the most amount of men attend. And I was really, really pleased to see a lot of young men there that I didn't recognize. So the, the word is getting out for sure. I also ended up running into another young woman from Kenya that Maureen had gotten in contact with Ohio State. And now she's at the Ohio State program. So it's just amazing to see the domino effect of something that really just was a little seed of an idea that, hey, I'd like to know more women within the industry. What advice would you give another woman who might wish to enter into this profession? I would say be outspoken with your goals because generally your superintendent or people you meet will help you. So be outspoken with your goals. Sometimes women I find can can kind of sit back a little bit, whereas I have found with with being outspoken that I want to learn, people really, really receive that well. Um, as well as don't, don't feel forced into having to be one of the boys. We really, we really don't have to do that. And I find it actually can degrade your leadership if you aren't being genuine to yourself. So that would be a word of caution. 
as well, if you know there's a couple golf courses around you, ask, like if you have a superintendent, obviously, you know, talk to them and ask their permission, but go and tour those golf courses and just, you know, just ask questions and be curious and be willing to learn and be willing to sound dumb if you have a question you don't know. Because a lot of people really love teaching other people and they love to see people that are interested in this industry because we love this industry. And so it's something that we really like to see when, when another young person starts to get that bug of being in the turf industry because we've all been there. So I would say that that's extremely important. And then just go get it. Don't be, you know, don't be nervous. People out there really want to help. And there's so many people you can reach out to. For example, Maureen. She reached out to me on Twitter and now she's studying at Penn State. So something so small like that, you think that it's, oh, you know, it's trivial or I won't send that email, but it can really change your life. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I'd like to thank both Melissa and Leisha for their participation. Be sure to frequently visit our website at www.turfandrec.com to learn about future podcasts.